Today is Wednesday, November 14th, 2017. Time for episode 35 of the Barnhart Ancast. As the Republicans are coming unmoored, the 9-11 truther has been blowing up Ann's email box, and even the New York Times is printing an opinion piece admitting that Bill Clinton did rape Juanita Broderick. It's been a weird and crazy news week, Ann. Where do you want to start? Man, it's all happening. It's all happening. Um, events are happening fast. And I kind of I think I made a post alluding to this that, you know, you can't you can't predict how any of this stuff is going to unfold. So if you sit around and say, well, there's no point in doing this and there's no point in doing that. And this and such is never going to happen. And that and such is never going to happen. Just don't even bother if you want to if you want to talk about that crap go you know go over somewhere else look guys this stuff you you can't even begin the most creative fiction writer could not even begin to write this stuff how many of us ha- have would have ever dreamed a year ago today that both the NFL and Hollywood would be in complete and total freefall collapse, especially the NFL. I mean, that that's one that I didn't see coming at all. I saw no break in the effeminacy surrounding sports and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's just absolutely stunning. Um, it's all happening. And so there isn't anything, there's nothing too crazy. There's no um, resolution to events that is impossible, especially if the resolution to the events, you know, I mean, obviously, if the resolution to the events is is driving towards truth, which is why I'm still huge on the on the Matthew 1720 um, prayer intention every single day. Um, you know, just came across today um, a couple of pieces. Chris Ferrara posted a piece over at the Remnant newspaper where, I mean, it's it's so frustrating because he won't he won't come out and say. Anyways, does the the typical lawyer just BS, which which I hate and despise to the core of my being. The way that lawyers are constantly trying to sleaze their way around, just speaking clearly, bluntly, forthrightly. Say what you believe. You know, say what you mean, mean what you say. It just seems like lawyers, especially, I, I, I can't imagine why, lawyers think that it's that it's like, some sign of of moral superiority, intellectual superiority, whatever it is, to to not say anything clearly and not take a position on anything and just sleaze it on both sides. So Chris Farrar has a piece at the Remnant newspaper where he's quoting the prophecy that is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, going out and talking about how, you know, there's going to be a non-canonically elected Pope, and that people will will fail to obey the true supreme pontiff, and there will be this non canonically elected pope. And then at the end, he does he does the legalistic sleazing back back the other way. Well, of course, none of us can judge this, and oh, I, I would I would never presume to say. Uh, and and uh, well, what's the point of your piece then? What's the point of your piece? So, on this tangent that I'm on. There's there's these events are happening so quickly. There's nothing that's impossible. Yes, Pope Benedict the 16th could call some sort of a press conference or go on the record. And remember, all you need is somebody with with basically 
an an iPhone or an Android or something like that. Even a Windows phone phone under the truck. Even a Windows phone. You just need a phone with a video camera on, and that would constitute basically a press conference. And he could he could go on the record, make a statement. I've made a mistake. I'm the Pope. This is this is all a, a complete abortion. I mean, obviously he wouldn't put it in those terms, but I mean, I mean the 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 intensity of that of that language is is really the state that we're in. I mean, if. If if the Bergolian anti papacy can't be analogized to an abortion, then I I just don't know what could be. Um, this this these events this could all happen. We could wake up tomorrow morning, and and something that incredible could have happened. These events are happening so quickly. Don't don't you know? Don't cut God short and say, oh, this is impossible. That is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Anything can be worked out. All knots can be untied. But if everybody's just sitting around saying, well, there's nothing we can do, a la, I don't, I don't know, I suppose Cardinal Burke would be the poster child for that. Just this, the sitting around, well, <laughs> I'm going to make one more filial, filial appeal to, to the Holy Father, and you're just rolling your eyes. And it's just, it's just so effeminate and so ridiculous. Man up and, and have, have the virility to actually ask God for these incredible things because it's all happening so fast. So where do you think we should start? We have like, a, we're, we're, we're so, we talk out of both sides of our mouth, you and I super nerd so badly because we say, okay, we're going to stop trying to do the list of multiple topics and we're going to focus in on one topic and just, you know, go with that until we exhaust it. And now we're going back the other way and we're saying, okay, we've got this whole list of things that we want to talk about. So well, it's what's been, at the top of the list? It's been an unusually active week too in the news and you know perhaps let's, let's start with Roy Moore and and okay. the, the the issue with the, the the election down there and if you haven't been paying attention which you know I envy you if you have no idea what we're talking about Roy yeah. Moore <laughs> is a former uh, Supreme Court justice in the state of Alabama running for the US Senate seat vacated by Jeff Sessions when he became the uh, secretary not the secretary general the um, attorney general when Trump became president and um in, in, these, in this last couple of weeks, uh, a whole bevy of women have come forward saying that when they were in their teens and Roy Moore was in his mid-early 30s, he was uh, sexually accusing them or sexually harassing them or trying to rape them or trying to date them inappropriately, things like that. And there, there's all kinds of questions of whether or not these women are telling the truth, for one thing, whether or not um, Roy Moore is, is telling the truth. There's uh, a, a psychologist online who publishes videos whose specialty is body language, and she analyzes uh, videos. She did this with the Vegas shooters and people. And she goes through the the accusers of Roy Moore and saying, explaining why they're not believable and, and the, the the Roy Moore press conferences, why he is believable, all this other stuff. And then, of course, you have all kinds of other sources. And I, I want to say Rush Limbaugh now is saying that uh, Roy Moore should step aside. But uh, it, it's a mess. Um, I believe just because whether he's innocent or guilty at this point in time, it's almost immaterial because there's such a storm around him that uh, he should say, okay, if elected, I'll step aside and let somebody else, you know, let Luther Strange or whoever, whatever other person down there wants to run for Senate. I mean, um, why you want to run for Senate in the first place, that gets back into it. one of your perennial points about the, the yeah. people who want to run for national office. Should you even trust them as far as you can throw them anyway? Um, yep. it, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy mess. And, you know, they're, 
say what you will about jokes of, of Alabama and, and dating teenagers, it, it's still not right. Even if, and Roy Moore's classic line, I didn't date anybody without their mom's permission. Well, he was all, he was also, he was also, uh, in a couple of the cases, the, the girls were saying that their mom were, were pushing him, pushing them to, to go out with this nice young district attorney. Uh, of course they got dollar signs in their eyes. This is you know great yeah. idea. Uh, so the idea that this was, um, on the level, not exactly believable. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, the Barnhart axiom. There's actually two Barnhart axioms. One is financial, and that is if you can't stand in front of something and physically defend it with an AR-15, then it's not yours. You don't own it, and you probably never did. <clears> That's <throat> Barnhart. <throat> at- is it Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> so that's that's Barnhart axiom A. Barnhart axiom B in the political sphere is is anyone who is holding or seeking to hold at this point national level and even even state level office at this point who's looking to hold any of these national level political offices just by virtue of the fact that they are holding or seeking to hold national level public office is proof in and of itself that they are morally, psychologically, psychospiritually something unfit to hold high level public office. Do you see now the problem, the tremendous, tremendous problem we have in our culture? How can you have a functioning government when the government is so spectacularly corrupt? And we're not talking about mere graft and mere bribery and things like that. Would would that it were, would that it were, that that was all that we were talking about in terms of government corruption. No, what we're talking about in terms of government corruption is that these people are diabolical narcissists, many of them psychopaths, which means that most of them are sexually perverted in one way or another and are just, you know, generally psychopathic, like with the case of the Clintons, Uh, Bill Clinton is a rapist, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Bill Clinton's a rapist. Hillary Clinton is a lesbian sex pervert. They're both murderers. I I mean, Ted Kennedy. I mean, you just go down the line. Uh, What's his name? Anthony Weiner, who's married to Hillary Clinton's concubine. All of these people, all of them, Democrat, Republican, all of them. There is not enough money on this planet that you could ever pay me to go into to run for office, to run for Congress. And right after I burned the Koran, so that's been 2011. So that's what now six and a half years ago in the immediate aftermath of that. I did have people contacting me seriously, wanting me to run for for Congress in, in Colorado and crap like that. Absolutely Absolutely not. Never, ever, ever, ever. Why in the world, why in the world would I want anything to do with an institution and with a collection of people that is so spectacularly corrupt and spectacularly evil as what you have in Washington, D.C.? Or even even at your local state house. I mean, politics is so bad now. You could even say that local level politics at this point is, you know, just Bush League for moving into this this hyper corrupt, 
cesspit of psychopathy. But, but, but we need the honest people like you to get in there and clean it up. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. No, it's, 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 it's too far gone. It cannot be salvaged. There's, there's nothing you can do as one person to enter into this paradigm and fix it. And now you're going to say, well, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth because you just said that there's, there's no uh, prayer request that is, that's too crazy. There's nothing that can't be done. Um, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you can call me hypocrite, I guess, but there's, there's just no way. There's no way that I am going to ever go into anything so wildly, wildly corrupt as that. And it goes back to the idea of who and what we associate with and how important that is. Um, who who you associate with, who you work with, who you surround yourself with, who you are friends with. These these things are so critically important and you you can't go through life just constantly associating with people of just the basest basest character with psychopaths and and criminals and just and sex perverts go through your life associating your, yourself with people like that and say oh it doesn't matter or or that that's not me well, yeah yeah it is i think super nerd you're the one who um put it very well and said you are basically the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And that, that is that I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was a really great way to put it. Who are you spending time with? And that includes online. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the people that you're, you know, within arm's distance of. In fact, there may be people that you're within arm's distance of, like if you work in an office environment and there's someone in the who works literally in the cubicle just immediately next to you, but you never talk to them, you have nothing to do with them. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who you you associate with, who you interact with of your own free choice and that can be people on the other side of the planet that are online um, especially in this day and age obviously who are the five people that you spend the most time with average that together and that's probably going to be a fairly good indicator of what kind of person you are it matters it matters who, who you associate with who you work with what career you have etc 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 this matters and it matters profoundly i would n why in the world would i ever 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 I would never go to a dinner party with any of these people. I would never, you know, most of those people, if I were sitting in, in a in a wine bar or something and and any one of, of these people walked through the door, I would ask for the bill, pay, get up and leave. I wouldn't even want to be in the same space as most of these polit these politicians on both sides of the aisle. Or any of these Hollywood people. I mean, a lot of people, if a Hollywood celebrity walked in, I think a lot of people still today would be like, oh my gosh, it's, look, it's Brad Pitt. Oh my gosh, look, it's George Clooney. Oh my gosh, look, it's Ben Affleck, whatever. Oh my gosh, look, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. If, if any of that trash walked into a restaurant or an establishment or a bar or a wine bar where, where I was ensconced, 
I would leave. I would pay my bill and I would leave. I wouldn't even want to be in the same physical space as any of those people. Because as we've, as we've learned from Father Chad Ripperger, um, demonic attachment, um, that, that's all real. And being in close physical proximity to people who are you know, demonically oppressed, um, sex perverts especially have tremendous demonic retinues that follow them around. If you are in the same physical space with those people, um, that, that can be, that can be dangerous. And especially if you're, you know, if you think it's cool and you're open and, and your guard is down, you know, I mean, if I saw some of these people in person, I would, I would reach into my bag and I would get my rosary out and I'd want to have it in my hand. I, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with any of these people. And so well, I know there are know, some people who no joke carry water guns filled with holy water just in case they come across people like that. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Um, but in terms of Roy Moore, so this is all happening. And so my email box starts filling up. And this is, God, this is exactly what I've been talking about. And this is exactly what I've been warning about. This, this absolutely insane business of, of putting yourself on Team Republican and then Anything that any of these psychopaths, remember the Barnhart axiom, okay, this guy's running for national level public office, there's something wrong with him. There's something wrong with him. And you're saying, oh, Ann, you can't say that. You're painting with a broad brush. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, have, I say this without any moral qualms or hesitation or whatsoever. This dude's running for national level public office. There's something wrong with them. So your guard's up to start with. Then this crap starts coming out. And if you st- if you read about who these people are, they're all saying exactly the same thing. And a lot of them are Trump voters. A lot of them are hardcore MAGA, total, total in the bag for Trump. Obviously, down in Alabama, you'd expect that, right? Oh, absolutely! Bunch of good old, bunch of good old boys down there. Certainly, man, that's Trump country down there, man. Um, so you have these people who are politically on the right, who are Christian conservative, who are Trump voters, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, totally. He's totally a perv. We've always known it. He's always been chasing fourteen, fifteen-year-old girls." Uh, all along, everybody knew what was the thing that we were talking about, where um, the the security guards at the at the local mall knew him by name and were told um, immediately when they were hired by the head of security at the local mall, if you ever see Roy Moore, you have to notify me immediately. Because he would he would cruise the malls for 14 and 15-year-old girls. There, there's something wrong with this man. That no, is not, not normal. It's not a defense that the age of consent in Alabama was 14 or 15 at the time. That's still <sighs> inappropriate. Yeah, it's totally inappropriate. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And so my email box starts filling up with all these people. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is this is character assassination. All these people are making this stuff up. You know, guys, no, that they aren't. They aren't making it up. And you need to quit this absolutely effeminate, rah, rah, go team Republican I'm going to brook no criticism and completely deny any malfeasance or malefaction of anybody that's on Team Republican. You people need to wake up. It is so wildly effeminate 
It makes me sick, and it's going to be the death of all of us. Go ahead, Super Nerd. Oh, I think it was Trump during the campaign made the comment that he could shoot somebody on live TV in Times Square and he could still win. And the whole point yeah, that, was he, he'll win yeah. because he's not Hillary Clinton. Yeah, exactly. And it's... It, I, he's he was making unwittingly. I don't think he was making the point that we were just making. Well, he was being tongue in cheek about it, honestly. He was being yeah, he was being tongue in cheek about it. I'm I'm being dead serious about it. This whole business of this this tribalism, th- this has to stop. You, you know, someone waves a flag and says I'm a Republican, and you just you just give them carte blanche, even though even though there's all kinds of evidence and all kinds of indications that these people are twisted and messed up and they are, you know, they're twisted and you know, they're messed up because they want anything to do with Washington DC in the first place. Only a twisted messed up mind would want anything to do with that. A person who, who absolutely craves power, who is an elitist it's diabolical narcissism. That is just a that is a sucking maw that attracts alpha diabolical narcissists. And then all of these people um, who are sending these emails to me, for example, just just absolutely blindly defending with, you know, foaming mouths, defending anything this guy says or does. Yeah. You know, what? Because he stands up. And he, you know, he, he talks about God. I mean, he knows the right things to say. And so you just fall hook, line and sinker for this. You don't have any more nuance than that. You can't, you can't be any more savvy than to take people at absolutely the surface that you see on television. You don't think that there, there are diabolical narcissists who are intelligent enough to know what you want to hear and know what you want to say. Guys, that's their entire shtick. That's why the word charming is used all the time. They, they find a vein, they tap it, and then they work it. They know exactly what to say. They know all the right things to say to, you know, ideologically sweep people off their feet. And then you have either beta diabolical narcissists, which tend to be people who enter into the bureaucracy and end up being these people's sycophants in in the government itself or in the government bureaucracy or in the campaign. Some of them are content to stay. Most of them are content to stay beta diabolical narcissists. But a lot. But some of them are aspiring to become alphas themselves. I mean, you know, you don't you can't run for for. Um, national level office when you're 22. When you're 22, you start out as a beta, you attach yourself to an alpha, and then you work your way up and eventually you become the alpha narcissist. Um, That's how they all start. Um, But yeah, I mean, you just... I just... You see it playing out over and over and over again. And... It just seems like nobody ever learns. Nobody ever learns. There's there's you also know, the it, dynamic over the last 30, 40 years or so, and it may go back further than that. My memory in politics doesn't. But the idea of choosing the lesser of two evils because we can't yeah. have the other person. And it eventually gets down to the point where you keep selecting worse and worse and worse people until you end up with something, somebody who could be an open uh, Satanist, sodomizing little boys, but as long as they vote the right way on health care or the right way on abortion, I'll vote for them. And yeah. it, it, 
it really tells to the the the, the lack of of um, willing to do the arduous thing on the on the part of the voters to not vote for somebody who has the same you know, initial after their name that you, they're not part of the same team because you can't elect bad people. I mean, if you don't have a good choice, you don't have a good choice. Do the best you can. But when you have, when you have, when you, when you have options and you don't select the, the, the best option because, oh, he's not electable. And, and then eventually it becomes, well, we have to vote for this person because it's the least evil. To a certain degree, we kind of paint ourselves into this corner. Maybe it's an indictment of, of, of um, democracy as a whole, but, um, yeah, it, it's a full, these, it's a, it's a race to the bottom. Yeah. We, it's a race yeah. to the bottom. It's a sprint to the bottom when you start doing that. And that's, you're exactly right. That's where we are in the U S that's why now it, it's gotten so bad. It's been choosing the lesser of two evils, choosing the lesser of two evils for exactly what you just said. 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, this has been going on now. I think we can reliably say since easily we can reliably say since since post-World War II. But the truth is, is it probably goes back decades and decades and decades before that. Um, you know, obviously the 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 time right before and surrounding World War One is his history will show that, that that is a massive massive civilizational watershed when everything just just went to hell those you know that those years between like 1914 and and 1918 just everything happened everything went to hell um you could probably back it all the way up to that um but yeah it's it's just a race to the bottom and that's why we're in we're in the situation that we're in where the government is it's unsalvageable it is unsalvageable and there's going to have to be a civilizational level event and man or civilization those being leveled and rebuilt exactly exactly i was just going to say that that's a scary you know the words kind of sound benign if you don't think about them too hard but really it's it's one of the scarier things that there is in this mortal coil to think about is the total and complete collapse of Western civilization, because that's where we are right now. It's, it's ungovernable. It's unsustainable. You know, we could, you know, from here we could launch into multiple different directions, morality, governance, um, finance, that's all mathematically unsustainable. Um, it, some something's going to have to give and it's not this it's not this pollyanna nonsense about well you know we just need we just need to get a few more republicans in and no i'm telling you people any human being who has any interest in this point at national level office there is something seriously seriously psycho spiritually wrong with them they are unfit to have any kind of ruling power over other human beings. Well, you made the we made the comment last week too that not um, talking about the, the the seven ages of um, of the spirits going going down through the generations. The generations, and yeah. Ap- after the seventh one, there is no follow on generation. It's not that everyone gets wiped out. It's that that community that that um, body politic, for lack, lack of better terms, isn't there anymore. And uh, maybe it's instructive to look at the Roman Empire and how that that ended up on in the West. It was overrun by barbarians, and and uh, there were certain technologies and capabilities of, of organization, whether it was military or engineering, that didn't come back for fifteen hundred years. And on mm-hmm. the East, it was overrun by Muslims. Um, honestly, exactly. either one is an option at this point. Yeah, is, is absolutely. A likelihood, I should say. Yeah, and the notion that we can't 
that it would not be possible at this point for us to lose the technologies that we have. Oh, I disagree vehemently. I think that I think the technology that we have right now is far more precarious, delicate and and could be and could just fall through fall through this this culture's fingers and be completely lost and forgotten far far more easily than the technology that existed you know 1500 years ago when when the roman empire was falling i mean can, can you super nerd i mean super nerd is a super nerd super nerd can you make a microchip heavens no <laughs> no of course not of course not what happens what happens when the the handful of people who actually know how to do that if they're if they're all dead and then what happens if the handful of people who actually know how to build the machines that can make the the microchips and so forth what if they're all dead and and so on and so forth and you realize that these the the skill sets and the knowledge sets that are so incredibly um uh difficult and and not able to be replicated by just people you know people if they needed to could conceivably i mean some people are so helpless that they couldn't even do this but most people could learn how to for example cultivate vegetables or something like that right um this business of making microchips uh making fiber optic cable um things like that these are things that that cannot be reproduced by just a but by just a handful just a handful of human beings alive on this planet and if those human beings all die in some you know civilization leveling event which we we seem to be you know looking at at trying trying to trying to fertilize and cultivate if i may use the the terminology like multiple angles i mean we've got nuclear war possible with the with the north koreans we have the islamic scourge that what those guys they want to just level everything to the ground they want to tear everything down they literally the musloids in their satanic insanity want to take everything back to the stone age well, they for the most literally, part they are still living in the stone age so it's not much they, yeah, of a loss they, for them Exactly. They want to bring everybody down to their Stone Age level that they've come out of in the Middle East and North Africa and so forth. Um, they want to tear all of this down. And so the notion that, oh, no, these these things could never be lost. that That is just incredibly naive, if not just outright dumb to have that position, it seems to me. I want to jump back earlier, though. Talk. We started off by talking about uh, Judge Moore and and uh, the the liberal outrage. One of the things that that I, I I've noticed, or I, I think I've noticed it, and also heard it on on some different podcast commentary, is that you have all this moral outrage coming from people on the left who have spent decades trying to destroy the very notion of morality in the first place. Why exactly. the heck are they talking about this? Uh, because um, internal consistency, logic, and reason are they are not in any way constrained by that. And again, this is a concept that it's really difficult for morally sane people, those of us, you know, call it quote unquote in flyover country or however you want to refer to, you know, our segment of the population. Um, we we are. We are still constrained by 
<laughs> to to some extent by internal consistency, logic, reason, not violating the principle of non-contradiction, the law of non-contradiction, so on and so forth. Um, you have to understand, man, these people, these people on the left and also um, younger people who who would who are coming out of families who are on the right. Um, once you drop below a certain age, it is extremely rare, for example, to find a 19-year-old, even a 19-year-old who is relatively, let me say it this way, relatively culturally conservative, who is logical, reasonable, um, refuses to hold contra contrary um uh, propositions at the same time. Um, this this is it's getting more and more and more difficult to find young people who are capable of that. And so, um, I'm sorry. What was the, what was your question? There's another oh, something about right the, the moral outrage of people on the left. You made the comment about um, the people on the left not having the the principle of non contradiction among others, and something about the way you answered that made made something click in my mind. It made me think of Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. One of them being make your enemy live up to his own book of rules and always exceed his book of rules. That's, that's what's going on here. Sure. And I mean, I think, you know, they're <laughs> it's, it's kind of coming back to bite them in the butt too, because you can, you can pretty easily push them back into a corner they absolutely swear up and down that sexual perversion is is inborn, right? Which of course it isn't. It is a, it's derivative of narcissism. It's derivative of diabolical narcissism. Um, some people choose to go down the path of diabolical narcissism at a younger age. Some people it develops at an older age. Um, but they they've painted themselves into this corner where they swear up and down that being a sex pervert. Um, wanting to have sex with with people of the same sex, um, being a uh, person who is so so crazy and so insane that they want to change genders, that they want to change sexes and engage in self mutilation, swear up and down that all of that is inborn, and yet now they they violate their own principle. Well, why isn't being a rape monster? Why, why isn't that inborn? Why isn't that somebody's quote-unquote sexual orientation? Being a rape monster. That is what they are sexually oriented towards. Why And obviously, pedophilia. Why isn't, if, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Why is it now that it's okay for Kevin Spacey to sexually assault 25 year old men but it's not okay for kevin spacey to sexually assault a 14 year old teenage boy well if kevin spacey is inborn oriented towards wanting to let me use their own uh disgusting their own disgusting nomenclature um express express his sexual persona through having um but by raping 14-year-old boys, well, isn't he born that way? Isn't he born that way? And so now they're they're thrashing around, and it's it's funny to watch them try to establish the hierarchy of victimhood, you know, and you know what what happens when it's a tranny against a against a sodomite? What happens oh, yeah, when the, it's the this? The whole against... idea of intersectionality <laughs> and, and the more intersections of of um, of minority. 
uh, then then you create this ranking. So like the theory is the highest ranking one would be a black Jewish lesbian woman who I guess has other defects as well. I don't know. Black Jewish lesbian woman who identifies. Yeah, as a I man. guess so. Yeah, who identifies? I mean, but I mean, but even you know denying denying male and female at all is the next big thing that there's even any such thing as sex at all. It's just it's utterly irrational. And in a in a morbid way, so that one doesn't just go sit on the stairs and, and sob all day long, it is is it it is morbidly entertaining to watch them to watch them thrash. It's morbidly entertaining in a in a in a way to watch the implosion of Hollywood, to watch this finally all come crumbling down. And one thing I do want to mention about this, a point I wanted to make about Hollywood movies, entertainment, television. I think it's to the point now where one can say without any moral qualms that it is appropriate to judge other people's character by whether or not they consume contemporary movies and television. I mean, I've uh, this lesson has just been pounded into me. You look at people who are constantly watching television who are constantly consuming mainstream entertainment mainstream movies mainstream both both broadcast television and now because it's all just transitioning but it's the same thing and we're going to talk about this a little bit later i think too this whole thing between well there's broadcast television and then there's streaming there's netflix there's amazon and well that's different we can watch these things over here on streaming and that's okay it's just this this stuff over here on broadcast television or on cable um no excuse me it's all the same kevin space spacey show um, House of Cards, that was streaming. I mean, basically everything is streaming now. Thursday Night Football this- is streaming on on one of these things. I'm not going to give the name because who cares? But uh, that that was one of the one of the points of when will streaming have arrived? It's when they start doing delivering live sporting events. It's starting to do that now. It's TV. Exactly. That's the reason why so many people are canceling the cable and the satellite feed is because they can get what they want. They can consume what they want streaming. But you look at this streaming content and it's exactly the same damn thing run by exactly the same damn people. It is all about normalizing and desensitizing people to sexual perversion and psychopathy and the glorification of psychopathy. That's what all of it is about. So I'm sorry, but again, this lesson has been pounded into me so hard. If you are, if you've got people in your life in front of you who are just constantly watching television and constantly consuming this, this, Filth, this absolute filth. Game of Thrones. I, I I continue to be shocked at how many people openly, openly claim, profess without any qualms whatsoever that they watch Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is porn. No, no, it, it's porn. It is pornography with plot. You know. That's that's all it is. And there's all these people, including trad Catholics. Oh, yeah, I totally watch Game of Thrones and blah, blah, blah. And they all know all these characters. I've never seen one second of Game of Thrones. When it first came out, I saw an article that said 
this is pornography. Um, okay, that's all I need to know. That that's all I need to know. This is this is a pornographic television show with some co- kind of fantasy plot line running through it. To to what to make it to make it uh, culturally acceptable? Well, that worked like a charm because now apparently everybody everybody is sitting around watching this crap. And um, I saw an article. It's been a couple of months ago now, but apparently. Um, there was a scene or a plot development on Game of Thrones within the last, I don't know, year or whatever, that they showed one of the, the porn vignettes in every, you know, they have multiple porn vignettes in every single episode was a blood, oh, was it an uncle and a niece or an aunt and a nephew? But it, it, they were blood, blood, uncle with with his blood niece. And this was a sex scene that was shown in this pornographic television show that all these people watch all of these shows, every single one of them, even the little comedies, even the little, you know, uh, uh, you know, what's really bad now, the, the science fiction shows, the star Trek and the star Trek like shows, everything is about pushing the normalization and the desensitization to depictions of sexual perversion. Everything is about faggotry. Everything is about transgender. They just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And these people, they just they just eat it up. And well, no, I don't I don't watch network television. I don't have cable. I only watch these shows streaming. I'm sorry, but I've seen it too many times now. I've seen it too many times. These people who are consuming this television crap and these these contemporary movies, um, and and they they just turn out to be moral degenerates. Either they were moral degenerates all along, or because they're sucked into this this just tabernacle of Satan, this screen. And, and continue to consume this crap, they themselves then descend into moral degeneracy. Seen it too many times, and it, it's time we start we start judging people and determining whether or not we associate with people that we have that we are friends with people that we socialize with people based on the fact: Do you consume contemporary? Um, entertainment, movies and television. Do you watch TV? If you do, um, I'm sorry, but I'm just not interested. I'm, I'm not interested in socializing with you. And, and I'm, I'm, go ahead. And even if all of our listeners are the uh, typical one in 33,000 people who don't descend into moral depravity by watching uh, any of this stuff, you got to ask yourself the question, could that time be better put to use uh, on something more spiritually beneficial? Is it maybe maybe the watching TV or whatever isn't dragging you down, but it's certainly keeping you from advancing in the spiritual order, and that's something that you'll have to you'll have to answer not just for uh, for for failings of of when you fall, but also those times where you didn't advance when you should have. Exactly, you know, you get I I get emails from people who say, well, you know, I I went to a I went to a Tridentine mass, and I just I just didn't understand it, you know, I just it's just. I could never ever learn how to how to follow any of that. It's just it's too cryptic. And how much yeah, work did ha- they put into trying to understand it before they got there? Or yeah, after? and 
And how, how many hours of sitting down with, you know, a very simple primer introduction, a, a book or even just a like a pamphlet, you know, <laughs> I mean, literally, it could just be a pamphlet. Read, learn, take an hour. Well, that's an episode of Game, Game of Thrones or one of these episodic television shows or an hour. What is that? That's one third of an of an NFL game. Really? So you'll consume all of this satanic media, but you can't take one hour to sit down and learn just just a, a, a primer about what the holy sacrifice of the mass is. And you send me an email that says this. It's too cryptic. It's too difficult to understand. Well, at that point, yeah, exactly what Super Nerd just said. We're not talking necessarily about even sins of commission. We're now talking about sins of omission. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your time? What are you choosing to investigate, learn about? Remember, Thomas Aquinas says, in order to love something, you must first apprehend it with your intellect. Okay? You, if you you know, courtship, think about courtship, you enter into courtship, you want to know about the other person. And if you, if you're entering into a courtship relationship with someone, and they have absolutely no interest in you, they don't ask you any questions about yourself, they do not, they have told you that they do not have any interest in anything that you say. They have no interest in what your opinions are, what your past experiences are, what you feel about anything, none. What What would you say about that? Okay, how does our Lord feel then? With all of these people running around, with all of this leisure time, and they have absolutely no interest in taking even a very small amount of that time and trying to intellectually apprehend and learn about our Lord and his holy church so that they could love him more. No, no, that, that's, just, that's just beyond the pale. How can you say you love Jesus if you have absolutely no interest in learning more about him? And guys, he's God. So, you know, the data set here is infinite. It is an, literally an inexhaustible data set. That's why, you know, we can go to heaven and be in heaven with God inside the triune Godhead forever and ever and ever. And you're never going to get bored and it's never going to get old or anything like that. Now, that's an imperfect way to put it because that will all be outside of time. And right now, as human beings, we can't even process what it is to exist outside of time. But the point is, and the church does use the language all the time, forever and ever. <laughs> and so there's there's no end to this data set. And yet, what do people choose to do? Watch filthy, disgusting, pornographic, psychopathic, quote unquote, entertainment and TV shows. Uh, sorry, that's, that's not going to fly. And I'll tell you right now, I'm starting to draw the line, man. If, if, if you start talking to me about Oh, I've watched this TV show. I've watched that TV show. I, I'm not going to hang around. I, I'm not going to have much to do with you. You know, I'll I'll be polite and all that. And heck, I might even pick up the bill. But don't don't expect me to hang out with you anymore because I just don't want to be around people of of that 
low caliber anymore. The, the days are too short. The days are too dark and the days are too short. We have to do a better job about, about who, who we're associating with, who we're choosing to be around. And I think at this point, using Hollywood television, media entertainment as, as a sifting, as a, as a sifting device is entirely morally appropriate. So in other words, are you thinking about the Game of Thrones or the Divine Throne? Eh, well said, super nerd. Well said. And we mentioned earlier that um, the the streaming TV versus the the broadcast TV, the the broadcast and cable people do not like the streaming content, and I I don't think it's an accident that Harvey Weinstein and and um, and Kevin Spacey were targeted here. Uh, Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein both have production deals with Netflix and Netflix actually is losing their, their stock stock did actually drop as, as a result of um, canceling all of the Kevin Spacey stuff. And um, there were, there was some other comedian too, who just came, who just got uh, snared in something. He has a bunch of stuff on, on Netflix. I, th- I find it interesting that uh, Netflix and Amazon are not the only streaming entities out there, but the media is all over them right now because, Hey, they're the biggest enemies right now taking um, market share away. So take that's that for an interesting worth. point, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but the point is, you know, first of all, it, it's all of a piece. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's basically all the same people. But the point that super nerd just made when he, when he sent that to me um, a couple of days ago, I was like, Oh man, isn't that interesting that, I mean, look, let's be honest with this, this Hollywood thing. Take your pick, man. Most of these people are sex perverts. Oh yeah. To, Weinstein and Spacey what, what, are not, a, they are not the exception. They are the rule. No. So why single these two out? Exactly. And, and when super nerd sent me that and said, okay, no, look, you've got the the mainstream, the old guard in, in Hollywood and in broadcast television, it conceivably targeting specifically the big, big players in the streaming in, in the streaming paradigm. Like, oh man, I didn't I didn't even remotely begin to make that connection. I mean, I don't I don't care about Hollywood and entertainment, man. I'm not, I'm not following any of these corporate connections or anything. And there's another thing that two people emailed me two eagle eyed readers. I made a reference, um, within the last couple of weeks to, um, Ted Kennedy and Chris Dodd, who was a Senator at, at the time. They were very famous, notorious around Washington, D.C. for sexually assaulting waitresses. Um, You know, both of them are are big. Kennedy was a big, big, fat, I mean, fat, orca fat, but also just big and barrel chested guy. And they would grab waitresses and um, Kennedy would throw the waitress down onto um onto Dodd who was sitting in a in a restaurant chair and then Kennedy would come and sandwich the waitress and you know humper and, and, and this is this is sexual assault i mean you know i mean obviously they were doing this in in the restaurant so they weren't penetrating the waitress or anything but they were just you know physically dry humping a waitress 
you know, between the two of them like this. And it, it was called Waitress Sandwich. And it was, it's very, very well known. People would see this going on in restaurants in Washington, D.C. all the time. And they, Chris they give Dodd, their betas something to talk about and uh, cover up and explain why it was okay. Co- cover up and, and Brooke No Criticism and Ted Kent, Kennedy is a saint and so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I get two emails from people that say, um, you might know this or you might not. Who is the chairman and CEO of the Motion Picture Association of America right now? Dun, da, 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 Chris Dodd. Oh, no yep, kidding. He was the head of the FCT, FCC too, wasn't he? Or am I thinking yes, of somebody I, else? Uh, well, let me I, Google I, this. I don't know. Yeah. Consult the, consult the evil Google. Um, okay. I'll but use Bing. Yeah. Okay, use Bing. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's all connected. These people are moving around between government and this entertainment media complex. Al Gore drifts back and forth between government and and media. He owned a cable channel. I, I had a full, you know, expose. I don't know if you call it an expose. It was just explaining. It was just explaining to people. So Al Gore has this cable channel, right? It was called Current TV. Nobody watched it. Nobody watched it. I mean, we're talking like low five-figure um, audiences for prime time. I think he hired Keith Olbermann, who is, you know, completely insane. Hired Keith Olbermann to be his, his prime time evening um, news anchor against O'Reilly. You know that 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 kind of that kind of thing. And oh, by the way, there's another guy who's notorious for being a uh, a sex pervert, heterosexual sex pervert, but still a sex pervert. Well, don't say that about O'Reilly. O'Reilly's my boy on Fox News. Again, would you would you quit it with the tribalism? Quit it with the tribalism. It's pretty obvious. It was always pretty obvious that that O'Reilly was just a a complete an arrogant buffoon and you mean knock you tell me that this guy's notorious for harassing women will knock me over with a feather i'd be shocked if o'reilly wasn't harassing women seriously seriously um and so oh where was i going with this O'Reilly, oh keith olbermann so keith olbermann is over on current tv and he has like an audience um in prime time of like 10, 12,000 people per night. Literally, I would have a bigger audience on a given day than, um, than, than Keith Olbermann would on, on Al Gore's cable channel. So this, this channel has no audience whatsoever. And Al Gore sells it for several hundred million dollars. And he sells it to Al Jazeera. Hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I can't remember the exact figure. It could be looked up pretty easily. And you, you sit there and you think to yourself, wait, what the hell's going on here? He has like he has the audience of a of a D-list blogger like me. How in the world is this cable channel property worth hundreds of millions of dollars? And I explain to people that what it's all about, and here's where all the cronyism and all this comes comes together. The channels make like 80% of their revenue off of the cable and satellite subscriber fees. So they negotiate with Time Warner Cable, for example, which is one of the biggest cable companies in, in the United States. And let's say Current TV negotiates that they get included on their basic cable package and they get, I don't know, let's call it seven cents a month per 
Time Warner basic cable or higher, obviously, subscriber. Okay, so that that prices in, you know, let's say 45 million households in the Time Warner cable package. 45 million households paying current TV, seven cents a month, you know, multiply it out, do the math. These cable channels, even though they have no audience, and you would think, well, the audience is everything because they're that's what they're using to sell advertising on the cable channel. No, 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 no. The advertising is peanuts for these people. It's peanuts. It's all about the subscriber fees. It's the same thing with the streaming content. It's the same thing with Netflix. So someone produces content for Netflix and Part of the compensation package is that they get, you know, X number of cents per monthly subscriber or something like that. I, so I, think, there's, it's, I think it's per play, actually. And, per play? Um, is it per play? I think it is. And, and the, the difference there is, is that um, th- there's no basic cable package for Netflix to get onto. They've, and that's why they're doing so much of their own uh, content now is that they don't have to pay a licensing fee for that. So paying mm. Kevin Spacey's company $100 million up front to make seven seasons of House of Cards, they're never going to have to pay that licensing again. As opposed to right now, I still don't think Netflix has made any money yet in their history. Be- exactly. Because they, yeah. everything they take in, they have to turn around and put right back out in licensing fees. Ah, okay, okay. But with the cable and satellite, it was all about the um, the subscriber revenue, and so that's why it, they didn't even they almost didn't even care if they were in if they had a crony relationship, which of course they all do because it's all it's all connected. If they have a crony relationship in, and they can get on a basic cable package that's just that's tens of millions of dollars per month in revenue coming in even if nobody watches anything and remember the other thing that was interesting about it and why it's so wonderful that the whole cable and satellite paradigm is going away is that if you had a basic cable package you were you were giving money you were giving revenue to every single channel in that package. So, you know, you could swear up and down that you never watch the Sodomite channel and you never watch MTV and you never watch VH1 and you never watch this, that, and the other evil, evil, evil content that's on basic cable. All I watch is the Food Channel and Discovery Wings. That's all I watch. Well, it doesn't matter that that's all you watch because your your subscriber fee every month was going in these negotiated amounts to every single channel that was in your package. So yeah, you were you were directly paying for and subsidizing all of that. Now you know that paradigm is going. Um, Thanks be to God, but don't kid yourself. You you go over to this streaming stuff, it's the same people, it's the same mindset, it's the same satanic priorities of putting this evil content in front of you and more more importantly in front of your children. And um it's just it's just evil. I just I I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, there's are are you going to find anything redeeming on these qualities or on on these on these uh, media services? Are you going to find something that makes you a more holy person when you're done watching it? And if you did, like Anne said, you have subscribed to everything else 
or you you you've you paid for everything else in in, in the package anyway. So yep. um, she's not joking. There, I believe there really is such a thing as a sodomite channel. Um, oh in, in yeah, there to the ones is. who are de facto yeah. already. But uh, just just to uh, loop back to something I, I I questioned earlier, Chris Dodd was not the head of the F- FCC. I don't know what I was thinking. Neither Google nor nor Bing nor anything else could find any reference to that. So. But he is right now the chairman and CEO of the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, yes. which is the which is the big one. And you know, I, I was not aware of that. And oh, isn't that interesting? Actually, he, isn't he that was, interesting? He was until September fifth of this year. Now it's somebody named Charles Rivkin. So he he just finished his term as MPAA chairman. Oh, okay. Well, he must be getting up in in years too. I mean, he's a he's a contemporary of Ted Kennedy. So. Goodness, he must be in his eighties. Do you have his his um, wiki page up or something like yep. that? Yeah, I'm not this smart. I don't have all this. He, kind of he must memory. have. He must have retired. He must have retired. Yeah, he was born born in forty four. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he'd be getting ready to seventy three. Yep, sounds about right. Cash cash in his tens of millions. You know, <laughs> become a become an eight or an even a low nine figure millionaire by running for national level office, which has a salary of, what's the congressional salary? A hundred and, 140,000 yeah, a year? He's, he's already wow. done that. I think he's got a pension of, of you know, seven figures a year now from being a senator. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Isn't, isn't, isn't that something? Isn't that remarkable? Harry Reid of Nevada being, being the most notorious. Um, low, low nine figure, I think, net worth and has never had any job or any career outside of government. Boy, h- how did that happen? How does that work? Well, when you're allowed to do insider trading legally because mm. you're in Congress, that helps. Yeah, and when you're when you're basically a mafioso like the Clintons and you're just running a, a huge a huge graft organization, that's something else that we were going to talk about but we should save that for the next episode we we will talk about that about how donna brazil and all of that that donna brazil is trying to scuttle hillary clinton's attempt to run again in 2020 i mean at that point it's gonna be like weekend at bernie's it's just she's just gonna be a corpse and they're gonna be you know somebody with strings you know (laughs) holding her hand up and waving it and things like that um and I think I think what Donna Brazil is doing um, with this, and I think you're going to probably see more attacks on the Clintons too. I think that they're setting the stage to run Michelle Obama in 2020. Um, I've heard that. I, I, I've heard that uh, Bernie Sanders is going to be back. <laughs> We're talking about all, all the lying senators and all the lying politicians. I want to say that that uh, very scarily, I think Sanders is the only one who's not lying and, and he's quite direct about what he wants to do. And he wants to turn this into a, a, a Soviet putsch if he was in charge. But uh, he's from what I've heard, he wants to run again or, or at least uh, if not run again, be the, uh, the, the kingmaker on the outside. Um, I, I keep hearing that Tulsi Gabbard wants, wants to get, get Bernie to run or run herself if she doesn't do it or if he doesn't do it. Um, there, I think there's going to be more than enough, more than enough people step up to tell Hillary and, and well, not Bill, uh, tell Hillary, your time is done. You've killed enough people in the party. Just go away. Well, Sanders was born in 41. Um, I don't know. He's, he's going to be an old, old man, uh, in 2020. Uh, I don't know. I think they're, I think they're looking at somebody younger and I've, I've said it from the beginning. I've said it from the beginning and 
other people around me have said, man, watch, watch this Michelle Obama, watch this Michelle Obama. They're going to run her there or do some tie in with Oprah again or something. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, Barry sat upstairs, watched ESPN, did drugs, had his, had his homosexual concubines up there in the white house. He didn't do anything. Okay. So you've already had eight years of, of, of a, pure puppet president who did absolutely nothing. Um, she is, of course, dumber than a bag of wet mice. If, you, if you've never read <laughs> in as much as, as, you know, gibberish can be read, if you've never read or pulled up Michelle Obama's um, Princeton thesis, type it into any search engine. It'll come right up. It is written at a, well, I don't know. I'd call it a sixth or a seventh grade level. That's the level of the prose. This is her Princeton thesis. She is dumber than a bag of rocks, okay? That doesn't matter. We've seen with eight years of the, of the Obama regime, it, there, there's absolutely no necessity anymore for the person that is that is put forth as this puppet front for the quote un, as the quote unquote president of the former United States. There's no longer even any requirement for this person to have even a modicum of intelligence. Okay, and they're gonna they're gonna market it as, you know, Hillary, former first lady. You know, she got, she had all this incredible experience and she was competent. Everybody agrees that she was the most competent person in the world to be president of the United States. Therefore, therefore, Michelle Obama is equally competent. And if you say that she isn't, then you're a racist. See, they've got that ace up their sleeve too. It's the ace of spades. In fact, Did you do that on resist. purpose? Totally. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> so, so I don't know. We should probably expand on this more in another episode, but it <laughs> looks like the, the old clock is, is telling me that I, I think we've, I think we've made a podcast super nerd. What do you think? Uh, we're getting there. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I found the, um, her thesis and it was on the racial divide and, uh, yeah. Politico <laughs> has it up there in four parts. Um, yeah, we can post that if you find it interesting. I don't know. I don't think you said it's not worth reading. So Go, oh, I mean, go bing the, it if you want only, to. You, you can find yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, no, we're not going to link to it. You can look at you can look it up on a search engine if you want to. The only reason you would you know waste even a nanosecond of your time reading this is to see how spectacularly stupid she is, and also just as a reinforcement of of what exactly it is that that affirmative action is in in the contemporary. Mm, Ivy League and and really all education in the United States what what it has done so you've got black people who are like Michelle Obama who can who can read and write and have a command of the English language on the level of a sixth or a seventh grade child getting into Princeton you know that's how bad it is and that was you know how many years ago that was 30 35 years ago imagine how much worse it is now it's just it's just a complete and total joke so if, if you just want to see what exactly it is what the fruits of of um what the fruits of affirmative action are. There's no greater proof set 
than Michelle Obama's Princeton thesis. And on that bombshell, I think we can call it a podcast. Uh, the email address, if you want to send uh, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions for who's going to run in 2020 for the Democrats or show topic ideas, you can send those to podcast at barnhart.biz. This podcast is produced by SuperNerd Media. If you would like to uh, send feedback there, you can find information at supernerdmedia.com as well as a link for donating if you'd like to support this podcast project. Uh, another reminder, Masses for Anne's Benefactors are offered on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, plus a weekly Requiem Mass for all the souls who died during the previous week. Please remember to join your intentions with these Masses, and also please remember to pray for the priests as well. They're sinners who need prayers just like the rest of us. Uh, I mentioned on the last podcast that uh, I had a recall out for uh, web designers. Haven't heard anything on that. So if you um, know somebody, well, if you are a web designer, don't don't send me links to somebody who who might be a web designer. If you are a web designer and you'd like to help out on something, again, this is going to be not for market rates. Um, I'm I'm not going to make a call for this again. It's it's either going to happen or it's not. Um, but if you can help out with that, let me know. Um, any other final words, Ann? Um. Just stay confessed. Um, lots of seismic activity going on all over the world. Um, ever since they had that big earthquake over in Italy in Norcia last year, I've been watching the earthquake feeds. And there's a lot of seismic activity going on. There's a lot of seismic activity going on out in California. Um, just a lot of, lot of weird stuff, confluence of events. I can't overemphasize. Please, please, please stay confessed. Pray the rosary. Go to Mass as often as you possibly can, because it is conceivable that within the not too distant future, we might not be able to go to mass, even on Sunday, it will be that hard to find a mass. Do it now while you can get your house in order now while you can. And as always, my undying gratitude to all of the benefactors out there, and especially to you super nerd for all of your time and hard work. I appreciate it. And uh, for everyone who listening, yes, you, you, we have no guarantees how long we're going to be living. This may be the last time you hear any podcast, much less this podcast. So you know, it, don't don't waste the time. Get get to mass. Go to confession. Uh, become Catholic if you aren't already, and um, get ready for eternity. Until That's next right. week, I am Super Nerd, and I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. 